Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. I am Danielle Tate, a maternal fetal medicine specialist and the maternal medical director of TIPQC. Joining us today is Dr. Reagan Sag. Dr. Sag also specializes in female reproductive health conditions, menopause care, emotional health, breast health, and more. Accompanying Dr. Sag today is Bonnie Miller. Bonnie is a high-risk obstetrical nurse with 17 years of experience. For the last four years, she has been the professional development specialist at Regional One Health for Women's Services, Neonatal Intensive Care Units, and Inpatient Rehabilitation. She is a simulation nurse coordinator and travels the world training nurses and providers in maternal and neonatal emergency simulations. She has worked with TIPQC as the Maternal Quality Improvement Specialist, working with facilities across Tennessee on statewide quality improvement initiatives. Both Bonnie and Dr. Seg were part of our pilot teams for the Promotion of Safe Vaginal Delivery Project. This project was just launched in April. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Well, thank you. Glad I just to be want here. to start with both of you first. Dr. Sag, please tell me how your individual work has led you to your passion in quality improvement. So I, after residency training, I joined a private practice in Nashville for approximately nine years and then received the calling to get back to academic medicine. And at the time, I was also asked to be the chairman of the OBGYN department at Midtown, at St. Thomas Midtown. Prior to that, I had been involved with the peer review committee for the OBGYN department at the hospital. So it was through both of those leadership positions that I got more involved in quality work at the hospital. And in my current role, I am the director for the Obstetric and Pediatric Quality Care Committee for Ascension well, St. Thomas Middle to Tennessee. Busy would be a light way to put that. So definitely very so much grateful you're here in the state of Tennessee doing the work that you are in Middle Tennessee. Is this initiative, the promotional, excuse me, this initiative, the promotion of vaginal delivery, your first initiative that you've worked on? It's not. Prior to this initiative, I helped work on the acute treatment, or the, excuse me, the treatment of acute severe hypertension. Another great and project. Moms. And I do recall that St. Thomas did an amazing job with the project there in Nashville. Bonnie, can you please tell us a little bit about your work and what led you to this passion for quality improvement and all the work that you do in the Memphis area as well as across the state with TQC? I can. Thank you, Dr. Tate. In 2013, I became the first and only perinatal patient safety nurse in the state of Tennessee. My job was to keep our patients safe, our staff safe, 
while the patient was in our facility. My first QI project was the antenatal steroid project. I did that with one of our data persons. And that's what led me into the whole whirlwind of QI with TIPQC. I've done the quantification of blood loss, the antenatal steroids, like I said, the hypertension project, the optimal core clamping projects, the safe sleep projects, breastfeeding. So I've worked really hard, but as the TIPQC maternal QI specialist, my first one as the QI specialist was hypertension. Again, Bonnie, thank you so much for all the work that you do. A question for the both of you. Thank you once first for joining the project with us, but why do you feel like this project is important, especially for your area or for the state of Tennessee? Is it about timing? Is it something that you're seeing in your facilities, but specifically for promotion of safe vaginal delivery, as I like to call it? Well, I'll speak first, if that's okay with Bonnie, for me. I think that there has been a shift of awareness in the country, but especially in the state of Tennessee with regards to what things are increasing maternal morbidity and mortality in our state. And we know that cesarean delivery is indeed the safest for certain indications, but if there is a way that we can promote vaginal delivery overall, that is healthier for moms. And so I think as we move as a state to decrease our rate of maternal morbidity and mortality, it's important to try to achieve the goal of lowering the rate of primary cesarean section to what the Joint Commission recommendations are. And I think in doing so, we'll see less admissions to the hospital and less trauma, less poor Very outcomes true. with our moms. And I can say that Tennessee is definitely following the trend with the number of C-section rates that we see as a state, or I should say the number of C-sections that we see as a state on a yearly basis. So for me, it feels very relevant for the time. And also, I don't believe we have a birthing facility that doesn't deliver babies. So this should be very relevant for everyone. Bonnie, would you like to add? Well, I agree with Dr. Say and you. It does reduce our maternal and neonatal risk. It increases our, for vaginal delivery, safe vaginal delivery, it increases the breastfeeding rates, it increases the bonding with the babies, it decreases our future C-section rates and maternal mortality. And one of the things that we want to do is promote the healthy people goal of 2030 is to reduce our C-section rate below 23.6. And I think as a statewide initiative, every birthing facility should have a goal of decreasing the risk and mortality of our moms and babies. Bonnie, can you speak specifically to why your team made the decision, why your team made the decision to join the PVD project? Of course, we are one of the five perinatal centers in the state of Tennessee. Our patients are high risk that come from the tri-state area. So we get our patients from Mississippi, Arkansas, Missouri, and of course, Tennessee. Um, and our patients are have hypertension and diabetes, and they have multiple comorbidities or fetal anomalies. And so we see the sickest pregnant people. And our goal is to care for them and have them leave our facility with happy mom, happy baby, but also safely do the deliveries and decreasing our C-section rate 
will help with that. And again, we work on safe vaginal delivery. C-section, we do understand, is sometimes necessary for our patients. However, if it's avoidable, we will do the best that we can to do it safely. Dr. Sag, St. Thomas, why did you guys decide to join in on the project as well? Thank you. I, as Bonnie alluded to, our hospital being in the metropolitan Nashville area receives referrals a lot from Kentucky and in the surrounding rural areas. Our hospital system is one of the largest delivery places in the state of Tennessee. And so because of our volume and because of the high number of high-risk patients that we encounter, we felt like it was important to continue to look at this data and to do what we could do to, to improve it. We were already meeting our goal through some quality initiatives that our hospital had started several years ago, but we noticed that there were some fluctuations of our numbers as COVID came into play. And so we wanted just to take an additional look at the things we were doing and continue to add to that to create better That's outcomes. That's great. I'm glad you highlighted that point as well, because some teams or hospitals may be thinking this project isn't for us. We're already doing great, but there's just so much to gain, whether you're still working on the goal or working to maintain the goal. Dr. Sag, as you've started this implementation since April, what type of new innovations, new protocols, anything that you found that you've implemented since the start of the pilot that actually was very successful? Well, I think that we were already looking at our term nulliparous primary cesarean deliveries and just evaluating whether or not the decision fell into appropriate guidelines for labor dystocia or for a non-reassuring fetal tracing. The one thing that we identified that we could do better with was our, or I guess more than one thing, a few things that we identified that we could improve on were number one, nursing education. Similarly to a lot of other hospitals within the country, we have seen a bigger turnover in our nurses. And so whereas 10 years ago, we had a staple of nurses who had been on labor and delivery for 10, 15, 20 years, we've had an influx of new staff. So continuing to re-educate nurses on coping mechanisms for labor and for doing things that are going to help facilitate vaginal delivery, we felt like was important. So significant increase of nursing education is one of that. The second thing was looking at continued patient education and adding in more avenues for patients to be their own self-advocate. We created a new education sheet that surrounds the induction process in terms of what to expect before, during, and after that we thought would be particularly helpful. So we're still in the process of gathering that data and how it impacts, but we're optimistic that it's Great. going to help. I'm optimistic too. Bonnie, any innovations that you would like to share with us that are going on at Regional One? Oh, yes. Well, we already had our midwifery group. We added a few more. So now we have a total of eight midwives. 
we're increasing our our policy when it comes to having doulas. We were already accepting of doulas, but during the pandemic, we had to have their certification because it had to be one more person. And moving away from that and moving back to encouraging our patients to bring their doulas with them, we are also re- making sure everybody is educated on our patients when it comes to their bishop scores, empowering our nurses to be there with the patient when we go over the birth plans with them, and and to make sure that we get our, our residents and our providers more comfortable going over with our patients the things that we can help them to help their delivery go as smoothly as possible. Also, educating our nurses on spinning babies. TipQC was is offering a spinning babies class, and encouraging our nurses to sign up, and they're very excited to participate and to be able to position our our birthing patients into position to get the baby where it needs to be to be able to have a vaginal delivery. And then using our birthing balls and peanuts to get our patients comfortable. And we, of course, we've incorporated our obstetrician, our nurses, our doulas, um, our advanced practice nurses. So we have nurse practitioners that are also helping with our birthing patients. And then patients that have lived experiences are being able to give us feedback on what went well for them and what we can improve on. And then also working with our anesthesiologist to get our patients as comfortable as possible so that we can have that safe vaginal delivery. But education is so vital for everyone. And because our residents change over in our labor and delivery every six weeks, it's going back and meeting them at our, we have what's called team steps and we meet every day at nine o'clock, 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. And the residents and nurses, anesthesiologists, the chaplain, our NICU nurses and doctors, everybody that can come, um, even social workers come and they discuss the patients on labor and delivery and potential care and things that may happen during the day. And then re-educating during that time to make sure we get everybody who's involved in that day's care. I love the team approach because we all know that it takes a medical obstetrical village to make sure that there's a safe delivery and a really safe and pleasant delivering experience for our patients. Dr. Sag, this question often comes up regarding quality improvement projects and involving the physicians at the facility or hospital. What pearls or advice would you give to those teams that are starting up the project as far as engaging with the physicians in their facility? I think that sometimes quality improvement projects can be viewed as punitive amongst the physician community particularly amongst physicians who aren't in an academic setting. At our, for example, at our hospital, we have privately employed and hospital-employed physicians who, who work at our hospital. And I think sometimes if we bring forth pieces of new education or initiatives, that it can be viewed as obstructive or punitive or trying to get in the way of decisions that are made between a patient and their individual doctor, when really that's not at all the goal. I think the goal is just to continue to increase education and think about what we as a system can do in general to to better care for our moms and babies. And so I think just in however you implement your system to, to emphasize that as the goal 
is, is key in getting physician buy-in. Great. Bonnie, I know labor and delivery is oftentimes a very busy unit, 24 hours a day. Can you speak to how to successfully engage the nursing staff into quality improvement projects, even one, as we're discussing today, for the promotion of vaginal delivery? Yes, I can. One is our elevator speech that I'm always talking about on our calls. It's encouraging them to have a voice and that they do make a difference in taking care of our patients. And everything that they do every day is quality improvement. We're just taking the evidence and the research and we're bringing it out to make it a safer place for our patients. By involving them in it and, and saying that you have a voice and this is everything that you've done and it's done such a great job. It's the daily encouragement that you're not just here to work, but you're here to work to make a difference. Placing, putting in that perspective, they agree. Oh, you're so right. I am here to make a difference because in labor and delivery, we don't always have the, the happy mom, happy baby. There are times when there are inevitable things that happen that are not always the best outcomes. And it's no fault of anybody's. It's just sometimes things like that happen. Keeping our nurses encouraged that they are making a difference because they were there by that person's side. If their baby had passed away at some point, holding their hand, that is quality care of their patients. So not just saying that this is a project, this is um, a change within our organization that's going to make it better for our patients, make it better for them, and make it better for the state in general. Because what we do, we show, oh, here's all the bumps that could happen. And if you we give you that advice to another facility, then they can keep from falling in those pitfalls. And I think that's same thing with Dr. Sag is when she gives advice and says, we did this and this is how it, it came out for us. And this is what we did. And it was not right, but how, hey, let's do it this way. Now, quality improvement and sharing our experiences with each hospital is what makes a difference. And then explaining that to the nurses that, hey, if you can give us advice on what we can do different to make it better for other people, um, it encourages them. All of our nurses are working towards more advanced degrees, and so they're getting into quality improvement. So this is actually very helpful for them. And, and, and of course, our physicians as well, because our nurses and physicians work so closely together that they can say, oh, by the way, this is what we're working on. And the providers get encouraged and they give their advice. And together, we have quality care for our patients and improve everything while we're at it. Very true. And I believe you hit on something that's really key, really empowering the team to do the work and letting them know they have a voice because all of our roles matter in the care of a patient. Dr. Sag, I just wanted to talk to you a minute about administration as it relates to quality improvement projects, including PVD. I know at Ascension St. Thomas, you guys have a great relationship with administration as it comes to being successful with projects. Can you speak to a little a little bit about how that's so successful? Any pearls you want to give us? I th think what we do is that we have a quality improvement group that we call a high reliability work group that involves multiple members of the team from a from social work to pharmacy to NICU physicians, obstetricians nursing managers, the CNO, the CMO, all of these people are invited to this to these groups. And so 
while they may not be part of the subgroups, they come to the primary quality meeting. And so everybody's able to share the information that we're doing. And that way, the people who are in the administrative aspects of the hospital can help support and help give ideas and help initiate with whatever we need. I tell you, that is truly a skill and talent to get administration partnered and to get them really involved in a way that they understand this is just as important to them as it is to us. So bravo, because I know a lot of times in this quality improvement world, it's oftentimes a side project and it's not really focused in on as part of the other initiatives and priorities of the hospital, but it matters just as much. Bonnie, you mentioned earlier about partnering with patients in your community to hear their voices, to understand their experiences. Can you speak more to how we can build that as a project team so that it's successful and we have the patient voice involved as we make initiatives and changes to have a successful change in the system? Sure. One of the things that we do is we have what's called the DAISY Award and one of the, and the, nurse, the patients can nominate the patient, a nurse who has done extraordinary work. And as the DAISY coordinator, I reach out to those patients and say, thank you so much for saying such wonderful things about our nurse. Is there anything, anything else that we can work on within our facility that's going to make it better? Now, it's not where they have to because some people don't respond back and that's okay. But it's me saying thank you for saying such wonderful things about our nurse and our hospital hey, can you say, you know, is there anything else you want to add? Also, our communications team with for the hospital will reach out to patients and that have said, hey, we want to talk about our delivery and how great it was. And then ask them, is there things that we can work on as a facility? Also, our own staff deliver their baby at our facility and so they see it from the perspective of a patient, if it was their family member or themselves, and sitting down with them to say, what went well? What can we improve on? Do you see any kind of changes that may make a difference, that would have made a difference in your stay? But also having a voice in their care, especially if they've had previous vaginal delivery ended up with a C-section, because it's scary, right? You come, someone, you're anticipating a vaginal delivery and they come in and saying, we really need to go to the operating room. That's like, can become very traumatic. And one of the things that we work on is not to cause any post-traumatic stress disorders and having a conversation with our patients. Our nurses sit down with them at the beginning of the shift when they're happy getting their information and, and having conversation about this is what could happen. This is what can go on. And I think if our patients have an understanding beforehand of if we're in an emergent situation, there may be four or five people coming here and saying things all at once, but let me go ahead and, and talk to you now what may be said and that you have a voice you have, you could say, Hey, what's going on? Stop for one second. We don't want anybody to ever feel like they don't have that voice. So the nurses will sit down and say, if your baby has a deceleration in the heart rate, we may come in here and ask you to turn on your side. We may, you know, start a bolus of, you know, normal saline or LR and, and then explain the medications, right? And then our doctors may come in here and do a, an exam on you. And then they'll ask you questions. And by go ahead and, and getting them prepared and ready, when we do come in and have to do those things, 
our patients are not, why are you doing this? What's happening? Because that's usually what would happen beforehand if you don't have that conversation and prepare them and have them to, what if, you know, I have to go for a C-section? What if I have to, you know, call my husband and, and get him right away? I think having that patient's input and being able to voice that, I think that kind of, you know, helps alleviate any kind of anxiety that one may have. It doesn't eliminate it all because it's scary sometimes anyway. Even a vaginal delivery can be scary if you've never had one or if you've had one before, you just remember it poorly. But having those patients open up about how they feel about something and it's something that may have caused them trauma at the time and say that. So next time we, we work really hard not to have that to happen again. So a question for both of you, during the pilot phase of the PVD project, was there anything that was surprising? Anything that caught you off guard in such a way that you learned and can share with us? So hopefully other teams will benefit from that knowledge. I feel kind of lame. You'll have to edit this. I feel kind of lame, but not, not that I can think of. I think it was eye-opening to under to, to kind of when we really sat down to look at it and see that we needed to do a better job in terms of printed patient education. And so I that would be the one thing that I took out of our, our pilot, looking at that a little bit more closely and thinking about what we can do in terms of what we are doing right now for patient education. And I think how that's one of the key that. areas medicine in general will have to update in a sense. We are still kind of working on paper, right? And everyone else is very technology driven. Bonnie, anything you would like to add from your team? No, I think sometimes when I look at the data, it looks like we're on a roller coaster ride at times. So we get right there at goal. And then we, the next month I look at it and go, what happened? We are working, but I think when I go back and look at what happened, it was some very high risk patients. It was patients who it was very necessary for them to have a cesarean. And again, our whole goal is to have a safe vaginal delivery. And for that month, it was clearly for the majority of the patients, it was just not safe at that time for them. But they did have a a good outcome and that's what was the most important. So in regards to the future of the PVD project, is there anything either one of you are looking forward to as we continue the project? Yes, we have so many teams and that excites me as the QI specialist for TIPQC to see so many facilities that are working on improving their outcomes. Also the move towards birthing friendly designation for our state, my hope is, is that every one of our facilities gets that designation from the CDC. I think for me, I always enjoy hearing about what other systems and people are doing with any kind of goal or initiative. So it helps me a lot to talk to other people about what the the wins and the challenges are and learn for that or even just commiserate in challenges and agree, okay, good. I'm not the only one who's having problems administrating or rolling out this part of a particular project or who has this question. Final thoughts in this area. Both of you are located in metropolitan areas, in larger facilities with resources. As our smaller hospitals in the state enter this, or even other 
hospital system that mirror yours. What advice in particular would you give to these teams, some who may have never done quality improvement work and are now looking to join the PVD project or have joined the PVD project and are looking for some guidance? I think what I've seen in the quality improvement projects that I've done so far is just having an idea of what's available, having an idea of what's not available. And then as you identify through your quality improvement, things that would be helpful, you're going to have those numbers to show to administration, to show to people who are running the hospital what you need and why. And I think as, again, maternal morbidity, mortality becomes a focus of the nation, then it it's, I think, important for everybody to be involved with trying to decrease those numbers. So I think that it gives a little bit of leverage, hopefully, for hospitals to get what they need and may not have. Yes, absolutely. Does. If that makes sense. I agree mm-hmm. with the doctors. Yeah, I agree. Also, I believe the facilities should utilize all the resources they can not to have to reinvent a will when there's one that's already done. And we put on the TIPQC site all kinds of resources, but if they have something they want to share with a facility, that would be great. Other, the larger, maybe putting a larger facility with one of the smaller ones together so they can help each other, but ask for help. And, and, we, and other facilities don't mind. Even the big ones, if they're struggling, asking for help from whomever can offer it is what's going to be help them win and be successful. But again, free resources are always something good. Utilize it as much as possible. Very true, Bonnie. That is, I believe, one of the biggest pluses, one of the biggest great things that we have to offer as a TQC umbrella for our state hospitals is the ability to network, to communicate, to lean on each other, to provide advice, to have the camaraderie, because it really is about getting the state to where it needs to be or keeping the state where it needs to be as it relates to maternal care, infant care across the state. TIPQC team appreciates all the hard work that you've done and all the hard work that your team has done in quality improvement initiative and projects thus far. We are very much so looking forward to your team's continued success with the PVD project and can't wait to hear more from both of you. Dr. Sag, Bonnie, I appreciate you both for your hard work and for joining us today on our podcast. To our listeners, thank you for joining us as well. We'll have links to resources in the show's notes. Thank you all and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee presented by TIPQC. TIPQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you would like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org, that's T-I-P-Q-C.org, and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.